Hey guys, I'm Shelby, host of Addicted to Crime podcast. Join us for deep, chilling dives into the evil nature of criminals, and let's take a closer look at their early life and background to see how they got to the day of the crime. This podcast was created in hopes you pay closer attention to your surroundings and hopefully stay safe. You can find us anywhere you get your podcasts or else on the website www.addictedtocrime.org. Happy listening, thanks for your time, and stay safe. Find other great podcasts like this one at podmoth.network. Hey, what's up, you guys? I'm Catherine. And I'm Haley. And we are Saturdays for the Ghouls. A Podmoth podcast. And we are joined by another podcast, the Cruel Tea Podcast. Would you like to introduce yourselves? Yes, I'm Lillian, and this is my next door neighbor, best friend, Willow. Hello. Hi. Hi. They're joining us for True Crime Podcast Weekend. So we're just going to hop right into it if you guys don't have anything else to say. We good. We good. Okay. <laughs> we good. So I'm going to talk about a case. It's a pretty big case. If you guys are true crimers and you have been for quite a while, you may have followed the case. So there might be things that you could interject. If you, you might just know of the case because it was very big. But I'm going to be talking about the Jody Arias case. Oh, yeah, we covered that one. <laughs> I assume you would have four episodes a week. <laughs> yeah. She met Travis Victor Alexander, which was her on and off again boyfriend. He was born in July of 77 in Riverside, California. He worked at prepaid legal services as a salesman and a motivational speaker. In 2006, in September, in Las Vegas, he went to a prepaid legal services conference, which is where he met his girlfriend or soon-to-be girlfriend, Jody Ann Arias, who was born in July of 1980. And so they kind of hit it off at the conference, I guess you could say. In the beginning of their relationship, although it was prior to dating, she converted to the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints, which is Mormonism. And she was baptized by him in November of 2006. Again, it's prior to them officially becoming a boyfriend girlfriend, which I think was a jump. Don't you think? Well, I mean, <laughs> kind of <laughs> soon, <laughs> like a requirement he had, like you gotta be Mormon. I guess so. I yeah. It's one of those things with people that are really into their religion. Yeah. And especially for somebody like Jody, who just wants the dude yeah she's gonna yes. do anything, oh yeah she would do anything have. for him at all if he's into it she'll be into it overnight seriously oh, for sure yeah. <laughs> yeah. so they officially became boyfriend girlfriend facebook official on, in february of 2007 she moved to arizona to be somewhat closer to him and then she moved to eureka california they dated kind of on and off again, but after five months of their first, like the first stint of five months, Travis felt guilty about their sexual relationship due to his devout faith. That's the reason why they first broke up. And then it was kind of just a tumultuous, like on and off again, kind of relationship, if that makes sense. I've had a lot of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so during the times that they were broken up, Travis was dating other women and he told his friends that Jody was stalking him, but he also continued to communicate with her. So, you know, like to be fair, it's when somebody is stalking you, especially a former romantic partner, it's really hard to kind of draw the line and yeah. set boundaries, especially when they don't 
respect your boundaries in the first place. Exactly. Right. So like I'm still talking to them. Yeah. yeah. We're going to fast forward a little bit to May of 2008. Jody's grandparents' home was burglarized and a 25 caliber handgun was stolen. We're going to go back to that a little later. <laughs> but in June of 2008, Travis and Jody were planning on going to Cancun, Mexico for a work trip together, I guess. And supposedly at last minute, he decided to change his mind and not take Jody and take Mimi Hall, which is another woman that he was friends with. Around June 2nd, between 1 and 3 in the morning, Jody called Travis four times and it appeared that he didn't answer because they were very short phone calls. But around 3 a.m., Travis called her back twice and there was an 18-minute call and a 24-minute call. And then at 4 a.m., she called him again for two minutes and 53 seconds. Now, none of these calls were shown in any kind of trial of any sort in the future, but they probably should have. They might have given more context if they could have given the transcripts. After those phone calls, Jody rented a car and she went to go visit her friends prior to going to this prepaid legal services work meeting or conference in Utah, which is where he was currently living, was in Utah. So she visited one of her friends, Ryan, who was a coworker, and she left late evening from his house on June 3rd, and she went to Salt Lake City. On June 5th, she met with Ryan at the conference and attended meetings with him, and Ryan noticed that she had dyed her blonde hair brown and she had cuts all over her hands, and then she left Salt Lake on June 6th to return home. And on that trip home, she made many calls to Travis, which was like kind of worried about where he was because he wasn't at the conference. Yeah. And I don't but, think he answered any of those calls. I, oh, yeah. I think that something weird. happened on the 4th. And we're going to go yeah, back to weird. that page. So on the 4th of June, his friends were concerned because he had missed really important work meetings. And so on June 9th, they went to go check on him at his home. And upon entering, they found pools of blood leading to his body in the shower. And they called a 911, like a normal person would. Like you um, do. Yes. <laughs> and they implied that Jody was stalking him in the 911 call. And they all expressed very negative vibes about the relationship and about Jody. So his body was found with 27 stab wounds and a slit in his throat and a gunshot to his face. Jody insisted that she hasn't seen him since. April of 2008. During the investigation, they found a digital camera, which was also posted all over social media during the trial. But the digital camera had photos of them in sexual poses and stuff like that, that were timestamped on 6-4 of 2008 at about 1 p.m., 1 in the afternoon. The last photo of Travis alive was of him in the shower at 529 and then the next photo looked like it was an accidental photo of a person bleeding out which they assumed was him but they couldn't really tell because the was an accident isn't the photos like something like the reason you chose that case because you remember seeing it back when the trial started yes yeah like the photo of him in the shower like looking directly at the camera yeah that was the one that like is just so haunting yeah because he looks not happy he looks scared he looks terrified it looks like he got caught in the moment yes it looks like she showed him the gun and then Yes, I, th- I agree. It's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah, but she like dropped the camera and then it took a bunch of photos as she dropped or it took one photo as, as it dropped. Yes. And yeah. 
Those wish. photos are the thing. Like, I didn't think I followed the case as intently as some people did, but those photos are things that I did remember, like being posted everywhere mm-hmm. in the news and on social media. And that it's one, him like in the shower, too. yeah, is the one that I remembered a lot. Because of those photos, though, they were able to kind of determine the time of death. There was also a bloody handprint on the wall in the hallway with both Travis and Jody's DNA. So her first uh, claim that she hadn't seen him since 2008 in April was obviously false there at that point. So as, as evidence piles on against her, her story obviously changes throughout the time that they had her trial. So she also claimed that potentially it was two intruders that came into the house and attacked them and killed Travis. But then why wouldn't she had like. Intruded. Gary was so stupid. It was. Right. Right. Um, So that was unrealistic for sure. Okay. So she was on July of 2008. She was indicted for first degree murder and she pled not guilty on September 11th. In January, 2013, the trial began And they initially tried to get her to get the death penalty. And in February 6th, she also claimed that she killed him in self-defense. There were a couple things that were a little damning in the trial, though, that happened. The first thing was the rented car that she rented to take to Utah was returned. And the clerk testified that there was no mats in the car when she returned it and that there were red stains in the front and the back seat. Something in me was like, I don't own a rental car business, but (laughs) you would think that they would have something about like red stains in the seats potentially being tested before you clean them, but they didn't, I guess. So the side of the car had been cleaned. And by the time that he testified to that, they couldn't check the car or check those stains. And then also there was no proof that there were mats before she brought, she rented it. So unfortunately that testimony was not as damning as it could have been during the trial though. Ryan testified, which is the guy that she met up with prior to getting to Utah. He claimed that Jody and him spent hours quote, hugging and kissing on a large bean bag while they were at the meeting. I just want to know like what work meeting has large bean bags. Because like, right? that's the type of work meeting I'd like to go to. <laughs> the same type where the manager is like, hey, guys, instead of a raise, I got you this pizza party. <laughs> he asked her where the cuts on her hands came from because he testified to noticing those cuts. And she said that they were from broken glass while working at Margaritaville. But plot twist, the detective found out that there was no restaurant called Margaritaville in the city that she lived in. And so she also, she claimed that it was a restaurant named Carlos Ramos, where she made a bajillion margaritas. And that's why she called it Margaritaville. Oh, well then, my mistake. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) That makes total sense, right? (laughs) So there was a round from a 25 caliber handgun. Do we remember that? Yes. Stolen from grandma's gun. So they think that she staged the burglary at her grandma's house to obviously get the handgun. Prosecutor claimed that Jody was stalking Travis and even slashed his tires twice. 
And supposedly in the days prior to his death, he was becoming afraid of Jody. He called her a sociopath and the worst thing that's ever happened to him. I it mean, sounds... See, he's I mean, not wrong. wrong. He's not wrong. I yeah. know. Here's the thing. He's not wrong. That's like, to me, if a guy said that, that to my girlfriend, I'd be like, you know, fuck him. Like, it's whatever. But knowing all the things that <laughs> have happened, <laughs> he was not wrong. No. Jody took the stand in her own defense and testified for 18 days. Yeah, it was a, feed, that, basically, that, like it the, was a shit show. Yes, <laughs> it was a shit show. I don't know what her lawyer was thinking. They should not have done that. No, she the first day she explained that she was violently abused from the age of seven by her parents. On the second day, she explained the relationship between her and Travis and that it mainly included oral sex and anal sex. Because those activities would not break his Mormon rules that he chose. Now, I think that it's sex regardless of... (laughs) She's so holy. That was good. (laughs) That's a bad joke. Lord. Yeah, it's sex regardless of where things Yeah, I mean, it could even be in the... thing that Mormons do where they, like, put it in, but they don't move it? They just jiggle it around. (laughs) Yeah, and then there's another one. Soaking. There's another one where one Mormon will lay on the bed and the other one will jump on the bed. And I'm like, y'all, it's okay. okay. Right. Like, it's so damaging. I feel, but anyway, that's a whole nother kettle of fish. That is a whole nother thing. I mean, it is very damaging (laughs) to grow up in that like damning sex (laughs) throughout everything childhood. Yeah. So she did eventually say that they had regular sex, but it was very infrequent that they would have regular sex. The prosecutors also had a tape of Jody tape that Jody recorded of them having phone sex without Travis's knowledge. And the case aside, if anyone ever, if I had phone sex with someone and anyone ever heard that and recorded it and recorded it, I'd be mortified. I'd be proud. I'm just going to own it. It's it's 2007. (laughs) You know how she had to like record that. She had to put her phone on speakerphone next to a tape recorder. Like we didn't have like screen recording. No. She had to to do this with so much. It was her greatest hits. And And she was proud of that. The whole courtroom had to hear it. It was so gross. And then that, that one recording had to be played in front of every people or millions of people online like i'm sorry i could never live that one down myself did did you hear it have you listened to it no oh girl it is so bad it's it's like really bad it's not good it's it made me have secondhand embarrassment and then she brings in like trying to be childish play too yeah it's it's, gross it's very not good Uh -uh. she's a very bad she is, yeah, for bad. sure. Yes. But the fact that they played it in front of everybody and she had to just sit there while the whole fucking courtroom heard her sex tape. That's so awful. Good for her, though. And she has heard that. She said that she recorded it so that she could... I don't know technically if she said this, but it was that she recorded it so she could embarrass him in front of his Mormon like peers and friends. Did? Yeah. She ended up doing that. <laughs> <laughs> she also said that Travis pedophilic desires for boys and girls mm-hmm. and that she tried to help him with that, which is apparent from the sex tape that he mentioned. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. Which is super gross. But forensic analysis has went on his computer and found no evidence of pornographic material. 
And I don't know. She was pl- role playing being 16 and losing her virginity to him. Right. So wasn't necessarily pedo. There's another word for it. Hebophilia. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. Oh, so okay. I'm not saying that that's better or worse or whatever. No, right. it is what it is. Still a little. But that's still that's what gross. she was playing. <laughs> but I mean, it yeah, was still gross. In, still the, in the kink community, age plays a thing, and I'm not going to yuck anybody's yum if people aren't doing anything illegal. Or violating anyone's consent and everyone's an adult. Yeah. Would I do it? Barf, no. Yeah. <laughs> Barf, no. But hey, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not. But I, I she, she was setting know. up the entire scenario. Yes. I, so that it was, was all like, on her. I that think was it was right. her idea. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I just feel bad for him. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Jody also testified that their relationship had become more abusive, both physically and emotionally. She claims that he body slammed her on the floor and then said, don't act like that hurts and proceeded to kick her in the ribs. And then that's at that point, that's when she said she claimed that she killed him in self-defense because he attacked her when she dropped his camera. But from the drop, we know that he was already pretty bloody (laughs) at the point when that camera took the picture. That would have been probably the drop. That took the picture. The evidence does not support her BS. <laughs> no, really? <laughs> no, no. So because this was at least the third different story that she had told, it completely affected her credibility with the jury. So it didn't turn out <laughs> very well for her, obviously. And Travis's other girlfriends, they claim that he never was violent or angry with them. So... Those kinds of claims from Jody seemed strange. And also in a case where people, someone's being stalked, they might be more aggressive. It's called reactive abuse. Exactly. So like, it's not necessarily, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's not necessarily. She lied through her teeth every second she got. So I don't really trust anything that she says. Uh Uh-uh. Right. And with his roommates and everybody vouching for him for him yeah right usually i believe i always believe the victim absolutely he was the victim yes i believe him yeah exactly yeah yeah Mm -hmm. so jody one of her last statements before she was convicted (laughs) was no jury's going to convict me because i'm innocent you can mark my words she said that on camera. And she said that on camera. <laughs> I bet you they played that over yeah. and over again. They did. Yeah. Um, I remember. She tried flirting with the guy interviewing her. It was just really sad. <laughs> Next level so crew. So yeah, she's trying so hard. She like had him like hold the mirror for her while she did her makeup. Yeah. I remember <laughs> that. Just hold it still. Do I look oh okay? my gosh. I remember that. <laughs> no. Oh, I'm pretty. Jesus. So psychologist Richard Samuel testified for six days on the stand, and he said that Jody's body was in fight or flight, which caused her to stop retaining memories, and he diagnosed her with PTSD. The prosecutor said that he was biased and accused him of having a relationship with Jody, which (laughs) I wouldn't put it past her. Oh, no. (laughs) Obviously. Then Alice... La Violette, a psychotherapist, testified that she was a victim of domestic abuse, and that's why she was, you know, why she did it. But Janine DeMarte was a clinical psychologist and testified that there was no evidence that she was suffering from PTSD or amnesia, and she would have diagnosed her with borderline personality disorder. And later, other psychologists disputed that she didn't have borderline personality disorder, but 
I mean, she has something. That's for sure. There's something going but on. Something's going on it's with more her brain. Lack of attention. That is definitely. Do you see a lack of attention? Yeah. <laughs> suffering. You know, <laughs> she, well, I suffer from going on. Me, girl. <laughs> I suffer from lack of attention all the time, and I never kill anyone. So <laughs> I just holler till somebody give me forehead kisses and food. <laughs> like a cat. Yes. Anyway. On May 8th of 2013, Jody Arias was found guilty of murder in the first degree. The jury could not come to a unanimous decision about if it was premeditated. On May 16th, the jurors began to decide her sentencing. She originally asked for, on May 21st, she asked for a life sentence, even though a few years prior, she asked for the death penalty because she was, she said she was suicidal. And so she wanted the death penalty, but... They declared that it was a hung jury and they couldn't come to a decision. But finally, on April 13th of 2015, she was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole, which is great. I mean, it took a thousand years to happen, but whatever. Yeah, I'm dating ladies now. Yeah, she is. She is. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> and so this case kind of opens up like the beginning of social media and true crime and social media and like obsession with crime and that kind of stuff and where like the line was because it was live streamed just as much as like the Johnny Depp case was in my opinion you know I do indulge in like the true crime you know documentaries and that kind of stuff but like I didn't watch the live streams of like any of the cases I never I didn't watch this either but it was I was only 18, so I don't think I was into true crime as at that point, but I did remember it on the news all the time. And it was on every like ad on the, you know, like oh yeah. Every article. But, I mean, on the to website. be fair, whatever form of media we have has been obsessed with true crime since there's been media. Yeah. We yeah. see this a lot, like the crime of the century, the crime right. of the this, and people mm-hmm. like packing into courtrooms and how it affects like. I mean, turn of the century crimes and everything. Oh, yeah. You know, it was a tradition to go to the scene of the crime and gawk. Like, yes, they would do that. Crazy bodies and everything. It was right. This case was, you were able to watch this case very closely. Associated Press called the case a circus, a runaway train, and said that it grew into a sensation that people followed live online. And then Toronto Star quoted, and this is a quote from Toronto Star, and it said, with its mix of jealousy, religion, murder, and sex, the Jody Arias case shows what happens when the justice system becomes entertainment. And that's like, I was like, oh, that, uh, yeah. It I raises I, important I questions it. about yes. like ethics and true crime, which is something right, me and Willow right. are actually really concerned about. Right. Something I'm concerned about too. Like I, I try to like make it as clear as possible. You know, like you're always for the victims. You're always oh, you yeah. know, like, all those things and I just I don't like I don't know I just don't like the circus that sometimes true crime can be especially like when people continue stories that want talking about stories that people will want to be done with right you know like mm-hmm. the victim's families are like please stop talking about my like right. Jeffrey Dahmer for example who I will right. literally never cover because the victim's families have asked repeatedly for people stop. to stop yeah. right yeah. exactly and so like I try to like do like a a search through the internet to see if there was like do any of the victims like every time I do a story I'm like are there any like victims that don't want us to talk about this anymore something like that trust yeah just, it, it, my it own- just gives an extra layer of responsibility but it's important and then there's so many cases that the families want their story heard yes. so 
you know, I don't know why people have such a hard time with this. Just pick the cases that aren't getting attention that need it. Exactly. Right. You know? right. Exactly. And I think that I think that this case was able to bring that kind of conversation forward. For sure. And so this trial was considered one of social media's first like mega trials. Now, not like the media, like the news and stuff. Yeah, right. Obviously there was like John Bonet and all those other big trials that happen or big stories that happen that were in the big in the media. But for social media itself, it this was probably one of the first mega trials. And that's all I have specifically on Jody Arias. I know the case is like huge and it's like oh yeah, it's multi-layered. We'd so many layers. Like I was reading so many articles, I was just like, oh my. <laughs> like it's, it's so salacious too. Yes. Yeah, I, I watched almost the whole trial just because you're like that. It was, it yes. was nuts, so. <laughs> but I watched it, I watched it for the research, not during the time that the trial right. yeah. was going on. Right. I thought that the brought up a good discussion to make sure that, you know, the true crime community is making advancements to be better. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> to be better as people and like keep in mind people's feelings. <laughs> so that's all I have on the true crime uh, wave. Uh, we have just a couple questions for you, but I just wanted you to like shameless self-promotion here, let them know where to find you and what you guys want to, what you guys do. Yeah. So we're a, Cruelty is a crew, true crime podcast, but we also on Mondays cover paranormal, supernatural stuff, anything from conspiracies to UFOs to hauntings, that it's sort of thing. Awesome. Episode. Yeah. It's, it's the one episode you won't hear about death at least once a week. Yeah. Well, you might, but at you least, might, but it's at least it's going to be in a murdery way. Yeah. Not yeah. usually. Really weird. Not weird. weird stuff. Starting yes. off with weird stuff on Monday and then Tuesday and Thursday, usually on our we yeah, try. that's true. We try. Our it's normal our- schedule is Tuesday. Thursday is crime, uh, true crime stories. And each month we do a theme. It helps us narrow down our research. And Make a more narrative us- flow, kind of. Yeah, it gives yeah. us a goal. So this last month, we just did Celebrity Month. We've done Cult Month. We've done Vampire Month. We've done cool. Hannibal Month. We've yeah. done all kinds of different months. Next month is the true crime stories behind American Horror Story. Yeah. So all the oh. stories all the characters the scenes things like that anything that's pulled from real life those are the cases that we're talking about next month and on the mondays we'll be doing the more supernatural paranormal american horror story cases like amityville roanoke Roanoke, stuff Mm -hmm. like that Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. wow yeah yeah we have fun with it we're next door neighbors so we just we hang out all the time anyways like having one like we all live in one house basically yeah yeah. so (laughs) it's um after covid and everything after lockdown and stuff it just made more sense we were a quarantine we were a quarantine (laughs) stop teaming no and uh, i'm gonna plug our patreon real quick yeah because we do an extra episode pour it out as hard as i can yeah so patreon.com slash cruelty we have an additional episode every week that does not follow the theme and can be about kind of anything we think we're we do take case recommendations from our patrons Mm -hmm. any suggestions we try and do those we have a pretty active discord Mm -hmm. and anybody's welcome to join that and our link tree is link tree slash cruelty our discord is in there so people are free to come and hang out yeah that's great that's very good i liked it yeah Haley loves american horror story Oh, yay. <laughs> She's like, she watches every season. I've watched like most. The theme song is my is phone. Ringtone? Ringtone, yeah. Oh, my God. My ringtone, too. 
Oh no. <laughs> Do we just become best friends? Only because she's my best friend first. So okay, <laughs> okay. I'm just kidding. Well, I'm not possessive. If you want to be a slutty best friend, you just go right ahead. I like that kind of thing. Did you see the new the new one that's coming out? And like oh, three- but I heard that there's a new one coming out, but I haven't seen anything. I like to wait till the show's all the way done so I, I can to, binge it. I have to be, yeah, I have to do it all in one night. Yeah, or it freaks Ooh. me out. Yes, I can't wait. No, the anticipation kills me. Too much. Yeah, can't do it. And you die. And it sucks. <laughs> Literally, and you die. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they're gonna do, but the theme was NYC, so I was like, oh, New York. Yeah. I saw that. I did see that. We'll see. <laughs> I say judgily. <laughs> I mean, New York City has some major crime. I'm interested to see what they do. Yeah, yikes, yikes, there's some mm-hmm. stuff like it's real bad there. We mm-hmm. talk about it sometimes. <laughs> do a New York Do you guys watch it together or do you guys watch it like alone? No, I don't. I don't want to be a wet blanket, but I'm not a huge fan. I liked Hotel because Lady Gaga was in it. And I was working at the other hotel at the Crescent here in Eureka. Considering that as the they location. They actually had the yeah. scouts for Hotel or for American Horror Story go to the Crescent when I was working there as a ghost tour guide. And I was like so excited. I was like, oh my God, I get to meet Lady Gaga. I would drink her bath water. Yes. <laughs> but I didn't get to. I was this close. Yeah. Wow. Jelly. That's awesome. Yeah. So I, I really like all those episodes. Yeah. I think uh, Ghost Adventures came there right after I quit working at the Crescent as a yeah. tour guide. Mm-hmm. And I was glad I missed it. <laughs> you don't like <laughs> Zach Baggins? <laughs> but my friends were all the reenactors. Yes. Like those are all, all our, our friends. friends. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So you'll have to go back and watch that uh, yeah. Ghost Adventures for the Crescent. The lady Hotel. in white. We know her. Crescent Hotel. Zach Bagans. Yeah. <laughs> Putting on his little asthma mask. It's quote America's most haunted hotel. Because they copyrighted that. Yeah. Is why. I mean, it's pretty messed up. I wouldn't. I don't knock it. It's I, truly I haunted. Think oh my gosh. People died there. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. he killed a lot of people. The whole Norman yeah. Baker thing. Yeah. So- Every month we do a supernatural like location or something. And we've done a few hotels. So we'll probably check out the Crescent Hotel. Oh, you should. should. For sure. It's it's haunted. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I worked there. Uh, I guess I'll tell you a story later. But yeah, (laughs) it's haunted. (laughs) It's legit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I too got my butt touched there. Mm -hmm. Oh, that on the t shirt. (laughs) (laughs) A butt-touching ghost. Oh, there's a pervy ghost there, yes. Yeah, there's a couple, but yeah. Ghosts are just as pervy as humans are. <laughs> well, because they probably were once humans. They are incorporeal sluts. Incorporeal sluts. <laughs> That's my new band name. Oh my gosh, that would be a good band name. <laughs> All right, well, Haley. Yes. <laughs> okay, Spooky Babes, we love that you come and join us today. We... Hope that you had a great time and you met some new friends and you're going to go check them out. And the world is a better place with you in it. And we will see you in your nightmares. <laughs>